Oh, man, this is really living. Hello, world. This is family here. <laughs> time is it? Uh, 7.30. Um, on Monday night, December 28th, we're at Peddler's Village. It's beautiful. And there's so many people here. It's good for them. It's good for all of us. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Wednesday, December 30th, I think. And it's 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm driving, and I just got word that... Uh, look at my, my mask beard. I'm going to be shaving off my beard, most likely. Um, just got word from my friend that Governor Wolf announced that the mitigation efforts that he enacted on December 12th were effective. Of course he would say they were effective. Um, and January 4th, they are going to reopen theaters and indoor dining at 50% capacity, basically go back to where we were before he decided to enact that ban. What I find to be hilarious is that hospital number Hospital numbers are the same. Cases have gone down. But it's not because of those closures. Because most transmission happens in the home. And we just had Christmas. And I'm sure there's a ton of kids. It's because in our area, cases are starting to trend downward. Because we hit uh, the peak of this little bump. Whatever you want to say. And uh, I'm grateful because unless something changes, I most likely will be going back to work on January 25th as scheduled. But as a result of those that three-week closure, I was in the process of trying to refinance my mortgage um, to lower our monthly payment because of the fact that I want to be in a better position should something like this happen again with our monthly expenses and we're trying our best to pay off all the credit card debt that I accumulated over the five years of working full-time in real estate. Um, actually, it wasn't five years. I apologize. It was closer to three and a half. But, um, no, it was five years. 2015, 2016, 2017. That's three full years. And then pretty much all of 2018. So four years of full-time self-employment. Um, we've been trying to eliminate our debt and one of the ways we were doing that is refinancing our mortgage so that we can put more money towards our credit cards and things like that. Because of this three-week closure, I now, uh, we were literally a week from, from closing on this refinance of a mortgage. It's now been delayed and I can't proceed until I start work again, which is a month from now. So probably delays actually refinancing two or three months. So I'm hoping that rates don't go back up. Um, but all because that he arbitrarily decided for three weeks to shut things down to see if that would do anything. Uh, so now, you know, that's essentially $200 a month more that I'll have as an expense in addition to the fact that I'm making less money because of the three-week closure, I would still be making my full salary until tomorrow. So, for three weeks, he took money out of my pocket, and now for a couple months on top of that, he's going to be taking more money out of my pocket. I can understand my frustration. 
because of it. It didn't accomplish anything. It did nothing. And anybody who says that it did something, you just haven't been watching the data the way I have. Uh, but we live on. We fight on. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people are continuing to wake up. I'm going to be taking a break from driving. And my wife and children and I are going to be patronizing a business that has defied the orders, which I will leave nameless. Um, because I don't want them to suffer repercussions. But they're one of the many businesses that, if you go to palockdown.com, have remained open and are defying the governor's orders. Um, so I'm going to be supporting them in that. Because... I am willing to take that risk. That's it. Yep, that's right. Got the mustachio going on here. Got the clean cut look. Got the uh, fisticuffs look. Um, <laughs> I call this the fisticuffs look because I picture... If I was more in shape, I would be that barrel-chested guy with his fists like this. Yeah, I, um, I trimmed down my beard to like stubble because I've been plucking hairs out again my nervous tick that I have, and the anxiety obviously is high, uh, but there was the good news yesterday that we are going back to the way we were in Pennsylvania, still not fully reopened, but um, as of Monday, theaters will be allowed to resume, so that puts us on track for going back to work as scheduled, very... Uh, to quote, to borrow a title from a past episode, Tempered Excitement, about that. It's New Year's Eve, I forgot to say that. Last day of 2020. Here's to a great 2021. A great 2021 can only happen if we make it happen. Don't believe the hype about new strains, because guess what? Before this pandemic, statistically, scientifically, historically speaking, upper respiratory viruses, when they mutate to become more contagious, they also, more often than not, become less virulent. That's right, that's a big word, virulent. That means that even though more people may catch it, the likelihood of them being as sick goes down. So, that means if more people get this virus and they say it's becoming the dominant strain and everybody's like, Whoa! guess what? That's actually kind of good news, but the news media will never say that. Because if this becomes the dominant strain and it's more contagious but less deadly, that means we will see a decrease in hospitalizations. We will see uh, a faster trend toward herd immunity, whether we like it or not. So, uh, yeah, don't panic. Don't don't buy the the mockingbird media's fear mongering. Don't do it. Because I tell you what, when this virus goes away, whether they tell us it went away or we make it go away by resuming normal life, there will be another one. Because they like what this they like the fact that so many people were willingly handing their rights over. So think about this. Do you think if they announce in six months that there's another one, are you going to shut down again? What about six months after that? Are you going to shut down again? You see how it never ends? You see how you need to start thinking about a long-term solution for this? We can't shut down every time there's a virus. We can't. People are dying of other causes as well. Also, anytime you read a headline about hospital capacity, go into the CDC's dashboard, which you can find on NPR's site. You can look up your specific county to see what the hospital capacity is, and you'd be shocked to find that many of the hospitals that are being quote-unquote overwhelmed, statistically speaking, are not. They're making specific wards COVID wings, and when those fill up, they say that they're at capacity, even though the hospital is only at 60-70% full. So you got to be careful how they're manipulating the data. Think about this. When we had half the hospitalizations in March and April that we do right now, they were building hospitals. They were bringing in ships, medic ships, and all that stuff. 
because they were afraid they were gonna be overwhelmed. We have twice as many hospitalizations in the country right now than we did back in March and April on daily average. Where are those temporary hospitals? Where are they? If it was as bad as the news media said it was, they should be actively building these hospitals. And I haven't seen anything about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Fact check me on that. Anyway, whenever there's news that drops, give it the 48-hour rule. See if something comes out that debunks it. See if something comes out that um, shows, you know, even with the UK strain, everything that's come out has said it's not any more dangerous and that the vaccine most likely will take care of it as well. But we're still talking about it like it's a big deal. And every news... (laughs) Every news thing that says that it's a... Oh, another case is found. It's already in the country. Think about this. We thought we had like five cases in March in the United States. And then we find out now that there were cases as early as December. So just because they're finding it, it's because they're looking for it now. They weren't looking for this particular strain. And they actually say this strain isn't a UK strain. It's the same as the strain that was found in Brazil months ago. And it's probably been in the United States this whole time. We just weren't looking for it. So... Just pump the brakes on the hysteria. I try to always remind people of that. Um, Yeah. Anyways, hope you have a great 2021. And bye-bye 2020. Wouldn't want the door to hit you on the butt on the way out. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. It's January 1st, Friday at 10.50 a.m. My mom took our kids overnight. I dashed until 11.45 last night. Yesterday, I started dashing probably around 9.45, and I pretty much, I came home and had dinner with my wife around 6.15, and then I went back out at about 7.15, and I dashed until 11.45, and I made $242 in one day, which is my record so far, and it was much needed because I didn't really get uh, the, the, the orders that I wanted to start the week. Whew, sorry. So I ended up going to sleep. It's probably one thirty, <clears throat> and uh, we're up. We're going to my mom's today to have dinner and exchange Christmas presents and stuff. But uh, it's funny how the turn of a calendar can make you have hope. <laughs> it's uh, obviously it's just another day, but when we look at another year, we're like, oh yay, possibilities, which is a good thing, I guess. was reminded that one year ago today is when we took our trip out to Kentucky and wow did we have no idea what this year was going to bring but as my wife said this morning don't think about 2020 as being the worst year ever because we still have 2021 to get through <laughs> and uh, look back on all the great things that happened there were a lot of great things that happened in 2020 if I'm being honest I just need to go back and look Anyway, hopefully that'll be our perspective in hindsight. We'll be able to look back on all the things that we did and all the experiences we had that we wouldn't have had otherwise had not our world been changed forever. I wouldn't be door dashing. Hey everybody, it's Monday, January 4th, 8.42 a.m. And I just got gas at Wawa and there was a video about the Special Olympics on their little gas pump it showed people playing and competing and all that kind of stuff. And I, they put a note in the video. And tell me if you've experienced this. Where it says, footage captured prior to COVID-19 quarantine. Now, why is that necessary? Well, I would argue, I have an argument as, and a theory as to why that's necessary. Or should I say, not necessary, but why they do it. And it's this. When I watch TV and I see people together... I don't think anything about it. I really don't. I know some people have said, have you noticed that you start to be like, oh, look how close together they are? All that kind of stuff. That hasn't really happened to me because that's normal behavior. What we're doing is not normal behavior, which is masking, social distancing. That's not normal behavior. So why would they need to put a note on footage that shows normal behavior? Well, my theory is, is that they want you to see that 
And instead of being like, oh, look how awesome that is. I can't wait till we can do that again. They want to remind you that that is abnormal behavior by putting a note saying this was filmed using COVID protocols or this was filmed prior to the COVID-19 pandemic because they want you to see that and think that that is out of the ordinary. There's no other reason why they would do that. No one is going to call whatever company and complain that a, a, a commercial was filmed with people being close to each other. And if they are, those people are crazy. Because we're watching TV shows and we're watching movies that are still coming out and we're not thinking, how did they do this? This is, this is outrageous. <laughs> they, they are... I, I don't think about when something was filmed, when it's a commercial. You could commercial. I've seen the same commercial for the last like six years on TV. They don't reshoot commercials every week, so there's no reason to put that. Except they're trying to message. They're trying to subtly tell you that be going back to normal is something you shouldn't want. That they want to remind you that COVID nineteen is the thing you need to be thinking about. It's quite sick, actually, when you put it into that context. That they can't just allow us to watch people being together and enjoying it. Because then people would start to long for that. And then people would start to push back against that. Uh, push back against the restrictions, I mean. It's it's quite interesting when you start to look... When your eyes have been opened and you start to look at the, the messaging and how it's presented. And I remember at the very beginning of this pandemic, people were starting to say this kind of stuff. And I was like, whoa, calm down. You're crazy. We have a sickness. We have this virus. We need to be careful. And, you know, the people I was listening to and watching were like, yo, watch out. They're priming us for something. They're, they're talking about things. They're using phrases repeatedly to get them into our vocabulary so that they seem normal. And I was really, I was like, oh, what a conspiracy theorist. And then I actually started to watch it and pay attention to it. And I was like, oh, wow, they're on to something. The other thing I noticed, uh, actually, I'm listening to the Scott Adams podcast, which Real Coffee with Scott Adams, you have to listen to that podcast. He's the creator of Dilbert. Um, I don't agree with him on a lot of things because he's uh, very, very uh, left in his political uh, ideas, I should say. However, he came out in 2015-2016 and said that Donald Trump would win the election based on his uh, opinion, and he was right. And he has now, you know, been outed as a Trump supporter, as though that should be something that you should be outed for. Um, but he has a, he's so smart, he's a trained hypnotist, and he recognizes patterns, and he, can re he recognizes persuasion techniques as they're happening because he's a trained hypnotist. So it's just really interesting to hear his side of things because you're like, oh, I never would have looked at it that way. But then... Once you get your radar up and you're like, oh, wow, that's interesting. So he had a point of saying that anytime someone makes an argument and it's, and they attack the person and don't attack the argument, it's because they don't have a counter argument. So something to think about when we're putting out information online and you see them, you know, come after the person, make personal attacks, which is really all they do now, or they, they do like the red herring argument or an, uh, um, a false com false comparison narrative. It's because they can't counteract your argument, so they have to attack you. Because if they attack you, the general public sees that and says, well, I don't want to be attacked. So it keeps you quiet. He called it suppressive fire. For those of you that are in military or, or play you know, role-playing games and things like that, suppressive fire deters people from attacking because you're like, oh, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hit. So those are my thoughts for today. Something to be interested in. Uh, if any of you would like to know what I listen to, what my resources are, I have been, I shared some articles in my most recent newsletter. But I encourage you to subscribe.actingrealtor.com to get on my newsletter. And uh, that's all I got for today. What's up, everybody? It's 2.48 in the afternoon. still Monday, January 4th. And I had a great breakfast with a friend of mine, Matt Kubler, who was on uh, the Discover Springport podcast a while back. I was on his podcast, Two Dates in a Dash, back in January, before we knew any of this stuff was going to happen. He's a patriot. Um, he 
is courageous. Uh, and he's the kind of man that uh, I would trust my life to. And uh, I feel like we're getting, we're connecting on a deeper level. So I spent three hours talking to him. It was just unbelievable. I'm so fired up. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to sit down and talk to him was about you know, what, what I can achieve going into this new year and how I can use my gifts for the kingdom of God and to speak truth to power in the public arena. So, um, I have, I know I have his ear, I have his support. And I recommend that you follow him on social media, Matt Kubler, it's spelled C-U. It's 4.40 p.m. on Monday, January 4th, and I have more information to share with you, and I want to try to get this all out of my brain. So it turns out, I don't know if you knew this, but the way they would report flu deaths, which is also the incentive for getting the flu vaccine, was that they would take one number, subtract it from another number, and say that excess number is how many people must have died from the flu. They never act, they didn't actually put influenza on the death certificates. There wasn't a way to track it. It was an estimate. So the CDC just announced that 2019-2020 flu season, 22,000 deaths. And that's not the begin. That's not the end of it. Uh, 22,000 deaths, which is less than what we typically see, which is anywhere from 50 on a bad, in a bad year, 80,000 deaths, maybe up to a hundred thousand deaths. Um, and it's just interesting that when we had COVID, it was only 22,000 deaths. Now we're seeing the CDC's report week 51 of 2020, which is basically the second to last week in December. They released their flu statistics because they're tracking it now specifically. Because um, they can't get away with an estimate because of COVID. <clears throat> they need specifics. So in week 51 of 2019, they had 7,703 positive influenza cases in that week. 7,703. Want to guess how many they had in that same exact week in 2020? 36. So that means flu, the incidence of the flu, has decreased 99.5% plus. Now before you say, look, masks and social distancing work, I would argue... Yeah, that's possible. But why aren't they stopping COVID? What I would also like to bring into the picture is we, th we know that the CDC says that most likely there are 10 times as many cases, or there have been 10 times as many cases uh, than confirmed cases. So basically for every positive test, most likely there's a 10 cases that are undetected because people are asymptomatic, quote unquote, uh, or they're pre-symptomatic, or it's just mild symptoms that people just think it's allergies or uh, a mild cold or something. So they never actually go ahead and get tested because they don't have a fever. They don't have the telltale signs of COVID. They don't lose their sense of smell, etc. So uh, we also know that for those of you that have gotten tested positive, you know that you could test positive for months afterward. And they'll tell you that oftentimes. So some of these policies where you test negative, you have to test negative before you can go back to work is, is ridiculous because the PCR tests are, his, are completely inaccurate 
because it's just an amplification. It's not actually testing for any virus. It's an amplification of, a, of whatever you tell it to be, whatever you tell it to look for. Uh, and if you and you didn't know that, go back in my last video, my last newsletter, and I share a video of Dr. Fauci saying that very thing, that if it's anything over 35 cycles, it's dead virus and it's not actually infection. He knows that. Most labs are running anywhere from 40 to 45 cycles. So think about it this way. People who may be getting the flu are going to their doctor, going to the hospital. The first thing people think right now, if you're sick and you have a fever, if you have uh, a headache, if you have congestion, if you have a cough, what's the first thing they think of right now? COVID. What do you think they, what's the first thing they test for? COVID. What if, and I'm just spitballing here, my theory is such that people, the 10, 10x the people that have had COVID this year that we don't know about have the flu, but are getting tested for COVID because the symptoms are similar, are testing positive for COVID because they had it months ago. That's why we're not seeing flu cases. It's just a theory, but I think it checks out. Also, interesting to consider that flu tests, on average, the last five years, 15.8% positive. When people would get tested for the flu, the average uh, positivity rate, 15.8%. Right now, 0.1%. Right? Could it be that there is an incentive to call something COVID? Maybe. Oh, wait, that's right. USA, USA Today fact-checked that and said, yeah, there actually is a financial incentive. You get paid more money for COVID than you would for an influenza patient. It's crazy to think about that people would actually manipulate the data when lives are at stake. But it's happening. It's absolutely happening. So... Good news is flu doesn't really matter right now. So there's no real incentive for a flu vaccine. And if it's true that they've always overestimated flu deaths to encourage people to get vaccinated because vaccines are money. Somebody manufactures them. Somebody distributes them. They all get paid big money, especially when they try to make them as mandatory as they can legally. If word gets out, that the flu kills less than 20,000 people a year. That's a lot fewer vaccines. And that's not what they want. Hey everybody, it's Wednesday, January 6th, 7.42 p.m. Um, the day that'll probably be... Uh, one that we remember for a long time, but not for a good reason. Whatever my political um, will is, what's transpiring leaves me feeling sick in my stomach. I don't believe that a Christian can condone, regardless of what you may feel I don't even have the words really because I do believe that what is taking place in our country from a political stance is dangerous in terms of our shift towards socialistic ideas which opens the door for communism ultimately suppression of freedom of religion suppression of freedom of speech all of those things are happening and you can't say that they're not but what I fear is when you cross over and become the aggressor you're no longer defending something and it's a fine line because we look back at our country see the heroes and the patriots that have stood Washington going across the Delaware on Christmas Eve 
on our Christmas night. Fighting that war. I don't think that storming the capital accomplishes anything. But marginalizing the people who actually care about keeping this country great. If anything, it delegitimizes. It's the same thing that happened during the summer when people were protesting a cause they felt was just, which was police brutality. And agitators came in and hijacked those demonstrations, and that's all they became. So it would be hypocritical for me to stand here and say, well, Sorry, I just had a DoorDash come through. I can't quite remember what I was saying. But I was but basically what I was saying was it'd be hypocritical of me to stand here and and turn a blind eye to those damaging and revolting against our government because of what they perceive to be injustice. And, you know, those same people that are now revolting were the ones condemning those who were protesting during the summer. So, this is the problem with the polarization of our country. Is that if we were allowed to speak about our concerns openly without being silenced without being marginalized or demonized, then we would come to find common ground on a lot of issues. For instance, those of us that are more populist and nationalist and believe that the government works for the people, we would come to see, wow, there's actually a lot we agree on, even though you see the, you know, you see the government as the cure to the, the injustice and the inequality, I see it as the cause. You see it as the cause, but you also want it to be the cure. Let's talk about that. Let's figure it out. We can't have those conversations. So what it devolves into is what we've witnessed this year and last year, I guess technically. We witnessed the George Floyd uh, watershed moment of our country where at the outset the majority of the population was in agreement about what transpired and then it devolved into chaos which then caused people to take another look at what happened take sides, etc. The same thing is happening now and regardless of where you stand on the issue I do believe that the people causing these things to escalate are the same people the same selfish um, anarchic people that were causing a lot of the issue during the summer the problem is is that we see it differently because the media covers it differently and instigated violence is wrong instigating violence all violence is not wrong because if someone was going to hurt my family I would be violent in that situation if someone was robbing me I would protect my goods and my life that's that's different but to take a theoretical situation and to enact some type of violent overthrow or whatever you're trying to accomplish to a bunch of people in suits old people in suits it's, it's not the way to go about it and I don't have the answer it's the wrong it's wrong whoever is harming people intentionally that did not directly harm you and isn't directly you're not directly reciprocating. But you know what? Even if they are, 
The Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It says, do not return evil for evil. These are complicated things that we're going through. And, um, yeah, it sucks. What's up, everybody? It's Thursday, January 7th, 10.26 a.m. And, uh, it's a weird day, obviously, waking up after what happened yesterday. I will say that I don't uh, condone any type of aggressive violence, like I said yesterday, or instigated violence. I do think that what we're seeing and what the media is recovering is a bit hypocritical based on what happened this summer for months. Um... I also believe that um, it's hilarious to watch people who just a couple days ago, as late as a couple days ago, politicians were saying um, protests are supposed to make people uncomfortable. What? Um, people saying things like the protests should continue. And now they are saying that these were not protests. People who would not condemn when in uh, Portland or Seattle, I can't remember, people overtook the police department building. And everybody said, well, when, when you don't get justice, this is the, out, the natural outflow of it. Well, there's a lot of people who believe that this election was not handled lawfully uh, and constitutionally, and they were not being heard, and they were frustrated. However, I don't think the people who were the... Just like with the protests in the summer, I think the people who were the most violent offenders were um, bad actors. They were not the majority of the people there at the rally. But most importantly, I'm sickened by the rhetoric of those on the left who will use this to justify blocking free speech to justify implementing policies that half the country does not want uh, that will infringe on half the country and that's what I'm most concerned about, especially as a father and a husband um, but those are my thoughts I don't want to take too much time uh, but kind of have to move on I guess at this point start to focus on things that we can tangibly change in our immediate world. What's up, everybody? It's uh, Tuesday, January 12th, and it is um, about 9 a.m. Get ready to go out to DoorDash. Um, yesterday, my dad and I went to a funeral or the wife of one of the owners of um, venues that we performed at for a number of years. She died suddenly. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, it was very aggressive, and she died within a matter of months after being diagnosed, which is really sad. Um, we performed at this venue, <clears throat> I want to say, for six or seven years, so... Um, it was uh, a way of expressing support and something beyond just the vendor, a vendor relationship. Um, another interesting thing that's happened, obviously we had the, the events on Capitol Hill about a week ago at this point. And uh, the, the day after that and the day after that, 7th and the 8th, my website saw a lot of traffic. Uh, and then on the 10th of January, I saw my podcast was downloaded 181 times on January 10th, which means probably they went back and downloaded every single episode. And the reason I find that odd, it could be a total coincidence, but given our current cancel culture, it has me a little wary that someone is aggressively looking to find information on me and trying to find 
something to pin on me. I don't know if they wanted to see if I attended those events or someone wants to see if I have been saying anything that could be misconstrued as an incitement to violence in order to cancel me. I don't know. I'm not on Facebook. I don't post on YouTube anymore. So I don't know. It's just, a, it's, it seems a little too coincidental to be honest with you. Um, that it would happen in such a way and, and at that specific time frame. It may just be that pe somebody, you know, people have come to see what I have to say about it. I, I don't know. Um, I believe that violence is not the answer and I would never incite people to take up arms or do something like that in an uh, initiation of violence. Um, I do support people's right to defend themselves, but that's something entirely different than storming the Capitol. And we've since seen a number of videos um, of Trump supporters <clears throat> pulling people back from trying to breach the Capitol building. And obviously there were some very gullible Trump supporters that followed into the Capitol and, and were allowed, allowed themselves to get caught up in the emotion of what was happening. And those people are unfortunately going to deal with the consequences of their actions. Everybody has agency. Um, and that's the, I think the, the problem with our culture right now is that by, with the collectivism, we remove individual agency from people. Um, which leads me to the point of, it's interesting how when an extreme minority of people do heinous acts or commit heinous acts, when it's done by people on the left, everyone quickly condemns anyone who would mischaracter, mis, I can't talk, would characterize the, the whole by the actions of a corrupt view. With the BLM protests all summer, everyone kept saying, we're mostly peaceful. How dare you conflate the violence and the rioting that was being done with the, the just cause of standing against the oppression of minority races. Which, I'm fine with that. I don't think any sane person would believe that every single person who supports the statement Black Lives Matter also supports everything that the organization stands for or every action that is committed by someone who is attending. It, that's just not how it works. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for those of us on the right or on the right. When a few police officers act in a manner that is uh, unlawful or in a prejudicial way, we have no problem demonizing the entire police force. When hundreds of angry, violent people make the insane decision to try to overthrow the government without weapons. Uh, we then take the hundreds of thousands of people who were at that rally and make them guilty by association. <clears throat> we take the eight, you know, 75 million people who voted for a president are now guilty by association because of the actions of a few. And that is what is wrong with our country. When I say terms like fight back, when I say terms like stand up, um, I don't mean literal fighting. I mean taking the fight like you would think of ideologically. A lot of people are on the bench or on the sidelines. When I say stand up or fight back, I say know your rights and exercise those rights. Whether you're disobeying uh, an edict, you do it civilly. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, it just makes me wonder why it's perfectly acceptable to cancel people's book contracts, to cancel people's banking relationships because of something that is a lie. Uh, I was reading, I saw the news and the article said, um, these Places are canceling because of Donald Trump's incitement to of his followers to, to storm the Capitol. Incitement. If I watched the entire speech, he did not once 
incite people to storm the Capitol. On the contrary, he said, if you were going to go over and protest at the Capitol, I ask that you do it peacefully. Doesn't sound like an incitement to violence to me. Also, I would call on every book publisher, every internet provider, every banking company to ban and block every single Democrat that has contested the election in 2001, 2005, 2017. Because since 1985, any time a Republican candidate has been elected president, there has been a Democrat who has contested the election. It is perfectly legal and constitutional to do so. Everything that Donald Trump has done thus far, in terms of lawsuits, all that kind of stuff, is within his purview and is constitutional. People who say otherwise are assuming a sale. They're assuming from their narrative facts that are not facts when they say the word overturn the election. It's not an election until the person is in office. They may be elected by the votes, but if a candidate cannot scrutinize and ensure that the votes were done correctly, then what's the point of even running for office? If it's going to be something that we, do, we cannot get to the bottom of or audit, that's a problem with our election process. The, the pathways, the constitutional pathways have been exhausted and the legal avenues have been uh, exhausted. So I don't understand why there's this ongoing effort to vilify somebody for doing something that was totally legal and constitutional. And now we've gone, the votes have been certified. So, okay, the process is over. God forbid a Republican get in office again for every Democrat who will then contest the election. Because I believe they know that no other Republican will get elected president, which is why they have put all their chips on the table, why they've been so aggressive, because they know they'll never have to worry about contesting an election again. And that sucks. <laughs> but maybe I'll be wrong. I hope so. Um, be praying for me and my family, especially if it is somebody who is trying to collect information on me for having an opinion. And God forbid it gets to the point where someone tries to cancel me for speaking what I believe. Because at that point, an average Joe Schmo is canceled for no other reason than vitriol or revenge or whatever it may be, then we've lost our country. And I believe it's already lost, to be honest with you. So those are my musings. And unfortunately, we live in this, uh, what can only be classified as an Orwellian hellscape. <laughs> and it must be nice to be on the side that gets to win. It must be nice to be on the side that gets to destroy the enemy because you don't have to worry about the mob coming for you until there's no one left for them to come to and then they'll turn on the turn on each other which is happening also so be careful what you wish for be careful not to champion the silence of free speech because you may be silencing your own voice in the future what's up everybody it is wednesday january 13th I believe that's the date. And it's 1.37 p.m. I just want to close the loop on some of my thoughts about everything that's happened. For me, I will always side with what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights say. Whether that becomes unpopular or not, that's outside of my control. I'm always going to stand up for freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble that's what it comes down to that's why we have those documents to identify American principles we don't get to change them on a whim and if anyone will come after me 
or cancel me because I speak about those things from a conservative perspective, I can't control that either. But I won't censor myself and I won't silence myself for fear of retribution. So I'll just buckle up. What's up? One final thing to say for everybody who's appalled by the president's legal efforts and not conceding. May I remind you that Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden not to concede under any circumstances. She said it's going to drag out and it's going to go through the courts, but we think he'll eventually win. Donald Trump did exactly what Joe Biden was planning on doing if the election had not gone his way. And if you don't believe me, look up the many news articles that said that Joe Biden was assembling a legal team to contest the election if it didn't go his way. That's right. Regardless of who had won, it would have gone this way. Also, recall, if you will, the many businesses in Washington, D.C. that were boarded up on election night because they were afraid that if Donald Trump got re-elected, there would be violence in the streets. Also, recall, if you will, the violence, protests, and riots that happened when Donald Trump was elected the last time. So, to act as though those few people who I disavow are not true Republicans or Donald Trump supporters, don't love America, then you all have to disavow everybody that rioted this summer. Every single one of them. If you don't like that, then that's too bad. Those are the rules that have been set by our political class. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Acting Realtor Podcast. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to subscribe. You can also leave us a rating or review. That will move us up the chart so other people can find out about the show. I also encourage you to check out actingrealtor.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well.